Welcome, and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, Vice President of Site Engagement with the Society. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and learn about our community. In this installment, we're lucky to have Lorena Curry, Jaleesa King, and Lauren Hubbard talk with us about diversity in clinical trials and our upcoming Clinical Trials Day. Lorena is the head of diversity strategy at BMS. Lauren is the associate director of patient diversity at PPD. And Jalisa is the senior analyst in data delivery at Greenfire and the chair of the All In Diversity Committee. They will be sharing their experience in advancing diversity at their organizations. Let's take a moment to meet our speakers. Lorena, if you wouldn't mind first introducing yourself. Thank you, Jamie, and thank you for having me here. Um, as said, my name is Lorena Curi. I am the head of diversity strategy for R&D for Bristol Myers Squibb. That means that clinical trial diversity is my full-time job. I personally think that I have one of more most rewarding, yet challenging jobs in the industry, and I have been doing this for the past three years, engaging with internal and external stakeholders to make sure that we make our research more inclusive. Uh, my background is commercial. I spent several years in another organization in pharma, uh, working around commercial roles, where I was exposed to the need that greater diversity uh, has in the way that drugs are approved and marketed in different countries. Um, and I am happy to be here and looking forward to engage with the rest of the panelists. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lorena. Jalisa, if you wouldn't mind. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Julissa King, and I'm a senior data delivery analyst at Greenfire, as well as a co-chair of our All-In Diversity Committee. Um, my general focus and background is with our newest product tool, Invisic, with fair market value as a budget negotiation tool. But I've also um, focused on using our data for, to build out other initiatives to better plan for clinical trials. And I participated in various thought leadership initiatives globally and spreading awareness about diversity as well as building relationships within the industry. And I'm super happy to be here today and I look forward to the discussion. Thanks, Jalisa. And Lauren, please. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. My name is Lauren Hubbard, Associate Director, leading the patient diversity efforts at PPD. Um, so what that looks like is us really trying to support our clients in developing appropriate and innovative solutions to help address any um, health disparities and closing the gap in um, what we see as far as barriers to diversity in clinical trials. Um, been really passionate about this work for my whole career. I started out in clinical development as a CTA and it kind of worked my way up the chain, always really aware that there was a lack of diversity. So being able to really focus on that full time right now has been really rewarding. So thanks for having me. Excellent. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you all for being here with us today. So this Clinical Trials Day, we want to take a moment to acknowledge how far we've come and uh, also the work that still needs to be done. Health equity has been a priority for those in the clinical research industry from the start, but really has now become front and center for a lot of organizations. And I would go as far as to say all organizations. In our industry specifically, this means we're ensuring that we're understanding, engaging, and enrolling diverse equitable and inclusive communities into our clinical trials. So Lauren, I'll start with you. Talk to me a little bit about what diverse representation in clinical trials means to you. What does that really look like? 
Sure. I believe that there are well-characterized disparities in our clinical research across the industry. So making sure that we are highlighting that um, to our clients, to everyone, is really the gap that why, we, why we're not seeing this diverse representation. I also think the definition of diversity has kind of been misportrayed as just race and ethnicity when really it is a broad definition. It is really what makes each individual unique at the end of the day. Um, and so making sure that we are seeing these unique patients, that we're seeing those that are underrepresented, underserved, that we're seeing those in rural areas and urban areas, that we're seeing young uh, patients, we're seeing elderly patients, that we're seeing veterans, right? We need to really think outside of the box when we're thinking diverse representation um, and also the intersectionality of diverse representation and what that means. So I'm really at PPD trying to embed the fact that diversity looks like all of us. Um, it does doesn't look like just one particular race or one particular ethnicity, um, and that we need to focus broadly when we think about patient populations. Lots of really excellent points there, Lauren, about uh, defining what diversity means and, and how we've kind of narrowed our view a little bit there, and that really does fly in the face of what we're trying to do with diversity. So thank you. What about you, Lorena? What does diverse representation in trials mean to you? And again, what does that look like from your perspective? This this is a very important point because this is our North Star, right? And what's driving us um, way before the pandemic hit. And that's something that we are very proud of at Bristol Myers-Squibb. Our objective is very simple. We're trying to recruit a patient population that is reflective of the real world and aligned with the epidemiology of the disease that we're studying. Uh, and as Lauren was saying, when we're talking about a population that is reflective of the real world, well, Diversity has so many different demographic and non-demographic characteristics that we cannot oversee, right? Absolutely, our main objective um, at this point continues to be increase, increasing race and ethnicity within the U.S. because the areas where we, at this point, can read most of the data and can impact some of the modifiable factors but part of our long-term effort is how can we expand this to other characteristics and, and other markets. It's a great segue into our next question that I'll ask Jalisa to, to, to answer for us here. And, and that's thinking into the future, right? And then how far we've come. But I also want to reflect on the last few years and how far recruitment and enrollment has already changed. What do you feel, Jalisa, are some of our biggest wins when it comes to the last couple of years as it pertains to diversity, enrollment, and recruitment? Yes. So there's been an increase of making trials more patient-centric and reaching patients in their elements through increasing awareness and trust in the communities that we support. We have to be contagious about access and provide patients with materials that they can understand in a way that they're willing to receive it, whether that is having the materials in their local language having large font for people who may have vision issues, posting on social media, like that's the type of lifestyle that we live in now, and building connections with community-based organizations and advocates that are in the communities that we're looking to serve, and also just using technology to make trials more efficient and run more seamlessly, and particularly with payment solutions. This helps to alleviate the administrative burden from sites who have historically made payments manually, and that reduces the room for error. And then those sites can in turn make instant payments and reimbursements to those participants, which supports retention efforts. So my, my, my take on this is that no eligible participant should 
being unable to participate in a clinical trial strictly due to financial and logistical burden. So time off, multiple visits to the clinic, transportation, they're all key issues that put a financial strain on the clinical trial participant. And this is amplified in communities that are diverse and historically underserved. So yeah, clinical trials, they come a very long way, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely, Jaleesa. Lots of uh, rapid fire answers there and some really interesting advancements that we've seen over the last couple of years. But from your perspective, Lauren, what have you seen um, or what are some of the things that you want to emphasize as well in how far we've come with recruitment and enrollment over the last couple of years? What are some of our wins? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Jaleesa around the redirection, I guess, of um, the industry to more patient-centric resources, patient-centric vendors, et cetera. It's been um, really the the tide shift, if you will. I also like to believe that COVID-19 played a huge role in just really making it very clear the disparity and the gaps there. And so being able to change how vendors um, are even thinking about addressing patients, thinking about addressing communities. I think a lot of that um, came from COVID. You know, we can't just always use the same approach. Not that that wasn't already taking place, but um, COVID definitely made that um, 10 times more apparent, right? So I do believe that um, just in the past couple of years, like even my my role at PPD didn't exist um, a couple of years ago. So that's even another another way that I think the industry is recognizing that they need to um, allocate actual resources to diversity to ensuring that diversity is a priority and maintained throughout the business. So um, I'm seeing more roles like that, connecting with people like Jaleesa, connecting with people like Lorena, who are doing this work regularly, um, has been a total shift, honestly, in the past couple of years when we started this work a couple of years ago in like 2018, 2019, at least when I started doing this work. So I think just the, um, to wrap it up, I think just the acknowledgement of the gaps has happened more frequently. And I think resourcing those gaps or resourcing and addressing those issues has has definitely been a big win for us as industry. Another side of that really important coin, right? Uh, Jaleesa mentioned some very tactful things that we can point to at the clinical trial side, but I like, Lauren, how you kind of brought that up to a different level and talked about the positions, right? That these the roles such as yours, right? The, the three of you here on the call with us today and many, many more across many other organizations focus solely on increasing diversity in our clinical trials is a, is a great win. So uh, excellent examples there. Uh, well, we're looking forward to our first ever Diversity Site Solutions Summit, Lorena, uh, that will actually be held this year on Clinical Trials Day, May 20th. So what are you looking forward to the most at that summit, Lorena? Thank you. And I am looking forward to it as well, because as I say, and many others in this space are always repeating constantly, this is pre-competitive space. This is where we need to put our heads together and share best practices and learn from from what has worked and learn from what has not worked. This is collaboration, and this is the only way that we will drive sustainable change across the healthcare ecosystem. So I'm looking forward to make connections to understand how other sponsors, CROs, partners, and more importantly, our investigative side partners um, are introduced, what they're doing, what are their needs, how can we support, and again, how can we drive this sustainable change together? 
Great response there, Lorena. It truly is a place where our industry partners can all come together and not, like you said, pre-competitive, not have to worry about what they are or are not sharing with partners from organizations like theirs and those that they work with, clients um, and and vendors that they are partnering with. Uh, Lorena, a great perspective from you, from someone who has attended Global Site Solutions Summits before and, and other summits. But what about you, Jalisa, being someone who is relatively new to the the summit game, we'll say, uh, what are you looking forward to from a fresh set of eyes as you approach this summit? I couldn't agree more with Lorena. I am looking forward to connecting with various industry colleagues and just hearing how they're making an impact and increasing diversity in clinical trials and retention strategies, as well as speaking on my very first panel. So that's going to be super exciting about a topic that I'm very passionate about. And also just building more connections, because I feel like we are a lot more stronger together. We can tackle this issue together if we, like Lorena said, put our heads together and put our differences and competitiveness aside and try to actually solve an issue that impacts all of us on a global scale. Excellent. It's good to hear from both perspectives there that that really is a driving factor in attendance for the summit. So we're very much looking forward to that. I'd look to each one of you now, and we'll start with Lauren here to, to relatively quickly share some of the initiatives or programs that your organization is doing to support diverse representation and trials. What uh, Again, Lauren, what are you all doing to advance some of that work? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for this question. I think when I first got to PPD and realized they had a lot of tools that could actually be applied to diverse efforts, they just weren't doing that. There was just a gap there. And so making sure um, that we are using our resources adequately is really important to me. Um, but really what uh, I want to hit home on is a tool we call Site Coach, which is basically for study naive sites to be able to get training to be a best in class clinical trial site. Um, and we also help them after they do the training. It's an in-person training. It's not like just online. It's in-person. You get a trainer. They walk you through your first um, study that, you know, you get um, as a site. And so we are using that to really help community health-oriented uh health clinics or um, clinics that see patients of color that we typically don't see in our clinical trials, we're helping them get access to this site coach training. Um, so that's one big effort that I'm really proud of us doing. Um, and then the other one is really working with um, study teams to help support them on their diversity plans. As we know, the FDA just released some new guidance around that and so we've really been digging into what that means, how we can support our sponsors to make sure that their plan is robust. So those are just two things. We're working on a lot of stuff, but those are the two that um, come to mind right now that um, I'm really excited about. I should also point out that we are using the SCRSD stat tool to help baseline our sites when, we're, when they're taking site coach. So working with SCRS and collaborating with them in that way has also been really exciting. Excellent examples, Lauren, and some exciting work being done from your side at PPD there. What, uh, Lorena, what about on your end? What are some exciting initiatives that your organization, just to name a, a couple there, as I'm sure there are lot, several, to support diversity representation? Thank you, Jamie. And, and Lauren, like the work that you guys have been doing is fantastic, really. A couple of things that I could mention is, first of all, our approach is process-driven. Uh, because we're striving for permanence. I always say that I'm hoping that at some point my role is no longer needed and everyone with, with, which, which is in the clinical trial or in the development organization is thinking about 
diversity and inclusive design from the very beginning. So that means that a lot of the things that we've done over this past three years are changes in those processes. It's a little bit of unlearn and relearn in how we select our site um, partners, in how do we build our materials. Just to give you an example, um, this is an organization where um, we're powerfully diverse and broadly inclusive, and we're driven by people. And we believe that the more inclusive the workplace, the more inclusive the marketplace. So it's by collaborating with our people and business resource groups uh, that we have been continuously creating cultural sensitivity and, 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 and cultural competency in the materials and in the, in the work that we are doing that will touch upon a patient or a caregiver. And now we're doing that constantly. It's not a pilot anymore or a one-hit wonder. It's part of our processes. Similar to what uh, Lauren was saying, uh, part of the today's uh, um, effort around the diversity plan is kind of consolidating the things that we've built over the past three years and assuring that it is embedded and embraced by everyone, which is uh, part of the clinical trial journey. Some more great examples of what your organizations are doing there. And I think that cultural competency, right, training internally, looking, reflecting internally, we often so many times think of what are we doing? What are we pushing out? What are we paying for? What's going out the door? But um, oftentimes don't reflect back on our own organizations. You're kind of putting your money where your mouth is and, and starting there as being one of the most important things we can do. So it's great to hear that um, your organization, and I, I know for a fact that Lauren and Jaleesa's organizations as well are really focusing on that. So speaking to that, Delisa, um, moving right along here, what about your organization? What are you all doing to support diverse representation in trials? Yes. Yeah, so through our through Greenfire's patient reimbursement and travel platforms, our initiative is just is to increase diversity by increasing access for all trial participants. So with that, you will remove most of the most common burdens that are cited for clinical trial participants to drop out. Those those financial and logistical burdens that I mentioned earlier. And we work with our sponsor and site clients. We survey often, and we understand that by helping to remove those barriers, we help to improve racial and ethnic diversity in clinical trials. In the long run, we are able to help and ensure safe and effective use of medical products for all populations. And that's something that we all live by, all in as a team, solving problems for a purpose. And if there is nothing more than trying to help to solve an issue about diversity, that's a green fire internal issue for us because we truly believe in our values and we live by that. So our population is very diverse and we're always open to receive any type of feedback or guidance or suggestions from anyone. And I think coming from that type of culture, that helped me to spark the fire of my passion for diversity in clinical trials. And that's part of the reason why I'm here today is being embraced by such an amazing company who has a mission to make meaningful change. Those cultural differences and an emphasis on embracing all and that, that, that diverse attitude, I think really goes a long way, as you, as you had said, Jaleesa, in making sure that all of our organizations have a diverse focus, right? We're diverse minded and we understand that um, the representation at our own organizations and the embracing of that allows us to do our work more effectively. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, we'll move on to our last question here and uh, I'll 
ask this of all three of you again, and I'll start again at the top with Lauren here. As I mentioned at the beginning, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I know you all believe this, and this is really a point that we've emphasized here. But how do you envision working closely with sites in the future to meet industries diverse enrollment goals? What kind of commitments can we see? What are, what are we doing here to, to, again, support sites as they try to diversely recruit their patient populations to their trials? Sure. Yeah, I think this is a great question. There's a couple of things that I think PPD um, assumes about sites. And so I'm really trying to make sure that we're not um, placing assumptions on sites that might be in a particular neighborhood. So why aren't they seeing those patients is kind of the the feedback that we get. And it's like, they might just not have the tools. They might not have the resources. They might not have the personnel to really do any community outreach, right? To do more than what they're doing. So what we're doing with sites moving forward is making sure that they have the resources they need. And if we can provide that for them, so be it. That might, that might look like more um, support financially, um, in their budgets or with timing of um, different assessments they might have to do that might take more time with particular patient populations that might look like more home health care that might be supporting their site. So if patients don't want to come in, we can hire some nurses that go out into the community that might look like a study coordinator that um, can be on site and kind of help them with the mundane tasks that they don't always need or assume shouldn't want to do, I guess, really, they should be focusing on tasks that are more important. So those are some of the things that we are really trying to invest in the sites that we work with, specifically the ones that are more at a community level, see patients that are underrepresented or underserved, and are still well-performing sites, right? Like are still really pushing through getting the job done. We know that COVID has taken a toll on not only staffing, but just the burden, the actual burden that people working in um, hospital settings, clinics are feeling. So we want to really be respectful of that, aware of that, because you can't do your best work and you can't be open to all patients if you don't have the resources you need. So I think that is really the way that we're trying to work closely with our sites. We want to, um, if to, to all sites out there, if you get a questionnaire from PPD, fill it out, honestly. We're not trying to take studies away from you. We're really trying to see how we can provide resources for you. If you get um, a site interview, take it. Um, we really are trying to talk to sites, get a better understanding of what sites are going through right now. So I think that would be mainly what we're doing to work with sites closely, more closely in the future, really, really align with them and their needs as opposed to making assumptions about what they can do and what they're tackling. I think it's really important uh, to, to see outcomes from those, right? So I am encouraged, Lauren, to, to hear that you are putting such an emphasis on that work and um, am excited to see the outcomes uh, and what, what changes as a result of that. So maybe that's a, maybe the results of that kind of work is an SCRS talks for the future. So that's fantastic. Yeah, me too. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Um, Lorena, same question to you. How do you envision working closely with sites in the future so to help them and support them meet their diverse enrollment goals? Sure. I think that we will all continue looking into this, not just as a moral imperative, but as a scientific and epidemiologic imperative. And that is what, going, what is going to help us like, continue sharing and addressing these uh, you know, as an ecosystem and not as individual contributors in this, this effort. Because we know that the need is multifactorial and if we really want to break down the barriers to clinical trial participation, uh, we must build trust. 
and 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 that is not depending only on the sponsor, only on the principal investigator, only on the research side. It is depending on all of us, right? Um, and that's why these partners are critical. This is a journey. There are no small interventions. The results are not going to be seen from one year to another uh, because it's a very complex issue that requires action and long-term commitment. And, and here is we will continue to learn and improve. And just as Lauren was saying, if, if, if there are like a rural leveraging the fantastic DSAC tool, then let's see where exactly are those pain points that we need to address together so the outreach for the communities can be uh, more appropriate, right? If it's taking us longer to review the eligibility criteria on a trial to assure that we are more inclusive in the design, let's do it together. So I think it's highlighting that collaborative approach um, and assuring that Together, we bring this trust back to those patients and caregivers that deserve it. Collaboration is huge, right? Uh, to, to your point, Lorena, I think it's impossible for us to move this, this important but monumental uh, boulder up the hill unless we are all understanding the roles that we play individually and how those roles come together. So that's a it's an important point to emphasize as we reflect back on what we have done and what we continue to do here. Um, Jalisa, round us out with what you think we can do um, to help sites in the future as as we um, complicate and 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 engross ourselves in this clinical trial diverse re recruitment. Yeah, so I think that it will be helpful to continue being thought leaders in the space and working with our sites as well as some of our sponsor clients to help to close the gaps surrounding access to clinical trial participants. I think eliminating, um, by removing some of those financial logistical burdens and some of the administrative burdens from the sites through technology, that'll also help with being able to address the larger issue which is impacting diversity and patient um, retention overall. So we have the power to be innovative and we can explore new technology to try to Im improve trial representation. But it's something that we have to do in order to continue to build trust with those communities that we serve who have been alienated in the past. Great point there, Jaleesa, and, and I think an excellent way to, uh, to to conclude our talk here. So I want to start off before I go through our conclusion here um, to say thank you to all three of you for your participation today and your um, very thoughtful insights into what we have and what we need to continue to do in this space. So uh, again, uh, Lauren, Lorena, Jaleesa, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay, well, thank fun. you for having us. For those of you listening, make sure that you register for upcoming summits like our Diversity Summit, scheduled for May 20th, as I had mentioned previously, and our Oncology Summit taking place May 21st and 22nd, right on the tail end of that Diversity Summit, both in Austin, Texas, by visiting our summit page on our website, myscrs.org. While you're on that website, make sure to check out our other SCRS publications and SCRS talks from the community in the publications of that publication section of that website. We appreciate everyone's participation in today's program and look forward to having you all join us for more great content in the future. Thank you all for listening.